You know, people keep uh, dying and shit, and it's just like a natural uh, part of life that we have to go through the um, uh, the finality of our mortality. And uh, latest death, I just kind of wanted to uh, touch on real quick for our cold open. Um, the latest RIP that we're going to have to give out is uh, to Franco Harris, uh, the former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Finally now, Frank, you can uh, ask God what your calling is for. Uh, I don't know if you guys have known uh, that Franco Harris was um, the... Uh, touchdown uh, the tutty facilitator of the um, of the what is known as the immaculate reception which uh, Terry Bradshaw had passed it to uh, I forget who the wide receiver was but it deflected off the wide receiver's hands and went into um, went into Franco Harris's hands who was kind of uh, behind and not a part of the play, who caught it and ran it in for a touchdown. And uh, that was the, um, uh, that was like a catalyst year and ended up being a catalyst moment for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, uh, on their way to win four Super Bowls. Now, um, the... Uh, the Immaculate Reception. Now, considering all the Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, luck early in their um, early in their inception, I would not be uh, too surprised if uh, uh, God was a huge uh, yinzer. You know, <laughs> and that's like the slang that uh, the Steelers Nation used to define themselves. They're yinzers. Okay. Um, you know, but that's a perfect name uh, for it too. You know, the Minnesota miracle when it was a miracle that uh, uh, the guy fucking tackled air wasn't a miracle. This was kind of like a play on words, immaculate conception, immaculate reception, and it was like, uh, you know, to uh, the ball landing in like just the right spot and that just having a domino effect on the events that uh, were to come for Steelers. I mean, football uh, is so perfect that random moments can seem divine. Ladies and gentlemen, this is World According to Kyle podcast. Uh, I'm trying something new today. I'm um, gonna attempt. I'm attempting at a uh, video podcast. Um, if you do not like the picture quality, you can kindly suck my dick because I am uh, just testing this out for now. This is actually just my um, my video camera on my. Uh, my like uh, uh, webcam that's attached to my laptop, but 
don't worry. I have the sound recording right now. Uh, I have the sound recorded from my uh, Yeti mic. So at the very least, we will have good quality audio, even if the pitcher... I'm like, um, I'm anticipating that at some point the pitcher is going to uh, say, hey, this is too much data or some shit. Um, maybe I could pause it unless it's like in five minute intervals and then I would have to do it all the time. So I might have to break this up, but I just kind of want to see... Um, how it looks on video and um i do actually have a camera but uh but as i was uh going through my camera uh i had realized that um i do not have the ac adapter or anything besides just a battery that's powering it right now so um a little a little shoddy uh i am i did get a, a 50 dollar amazon card for uh my birthday so which uh i'm gonna wait until i you know uh, reel together all my uh gift certificates and then um uh one of the things i am gonna buy is that uh, uh ac adapter for my nikon camera so chill the fuck out i'm just trying something okay um and hopefully it works too, because um, I think like some uh, uh, some people will only be, or some people are just you know, watching YouTube to uh, watch video, and it's just good to have the um, multilateral option for everybody. I did say that in 2023, uh, TWA2K is coming live uh, in video for the YouTube purposes. All right, folks, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. Uh, if you want to follow me, YouTube, TWA2K, Twitter, Kyliverse, TikTok, Kyliverse, Instagram, KyleMax86, Reddit, TWA2K. That's if you have questions or topics for the show that you want to have me covered. Ask away in one of my DMs. As of right now, you can catch me on YouTube, uh, iHeartRadio, and my private RSS feed, TWA2K, the world, according to Kyle. Ah. What a time to be alive. Uh, I didn't think I would get to this. This is my 36th episode. Um, I made a plan at the beginning of the year to do two a year, and I did one a year prior. So the two per year would have put me at 37, and I think I was sliding into like uh, the end of October on my 31st or 32nd, and I didn't think I would be able to get it done, but... Um, there were circumstances that um, aided my uh, being able to reach my podcast benchmark of uh, two per year on this year. And all things considered, uh, it was a very tumultuous year uh, and a lot of things that happened out of my control that uh, took me away from being able to uh, pod as much as uh, I had wanted to. But uh, nevertheless, 
here we are, and uh, and uh, I'm pumping out. Uh, I'm hitting my benchmark. All I got to do is one more podcast before the end of the year, and that's 37, and like, wow. <laughs> uh, talk about a, a tortoise in the hair <laughs> uh, scenario. Um, so, hey, uh, shout out to me for hitting that benchmark, um, be it... Uh, be it a little, um, I don't want to say is the uh, it was completely out of my control. There was a lot of decisions that uh, had to be made to get me to at this point right now, where I have all this free time to uh, be able to pod for you. And we're going to get into that with um, I got a little um, anti work r slash anti work. Uh, headline that we gotta go over before um, before we get into anything. I think it's uh, very prominent. Uh, uh, one of the two things in my life that are kind of like uh, you know going a little haywire, but I haven't been talking on on account of uh, trying to. Um, uh, come to terms with the uh, with the reality of the situations before I figure out how I want to present it to you folks. And uh, this was one of those two things: the uh, my work situation. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into it. Uh, we're gonna get deep into. We're gonna get thick into uh, personal everyday uh work workman's life uh we got a lot else on the show too uh we're gonna talk a little uh crypto on the show we're gonna talk a little bit of football uh we're gonna talk a little bit of news uh, a little bit of canada centric a little bit of uh america centric type of news and um yeah we got a lot I always have a, uh, a, a litany of uh, topics that uh, I can bring up um, uh, at any given moment. It's uh, it's just a matter of having the time to get out and do it. Um, but now I definitely have the time to do it. Um, and I definitely have the time to do it because going into our first topic about anti-work is um, because I quit my job. Um, so uh, I don't know how early you're following. I assume I do not. I did not have many followers, so I'm gonna uh, give the full uh, backdrop of the story. So. Um, I was working at this place, like I've been in, uh, uh, like kind of the warehouse, um, environment for the past, uh, uh, decade. Um, and, um, so, uh, I made team lead at my last warehouse that, uh, that I was at. I started as a temp and, uh, just busted my ass and I made like team lead on the night shift. Right. So, um, you know, a few situations happened there, and I could see that they didn't really view me as mature enough to uh, 
move me any further than the night shift team lead. And um, if you were watching in video, I am uh, literally have the complexion of a ghost. So uh, five more years of, um, you know, 5% vitamin D <laughs> uh, would not bode well for me, let's just say. Uh, so it was kind of getting at that point where I wanted to be the afternoon shift team lead or uh, I was going to start getting upset at what happened there. And... You know, long story short, maybe we'll get into it in future podcasts, but um, I, uh, I, 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 you know, just started fucking around there and it got to the point where I got fired from that job and, um, you know, a little bit was on me and a little bit was on them, like maybe for another pod. But so I go to this other place and, um, you know, I came in with a little bit of um, reluctance and a little bit of, uh, 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 you know, a little bit of distance um, where normally I'm like gung ho and trying to impress this one. I was a little more reclusive uh, and, uh, you know, um, a little more pushing back on them wanting me to do more things. So we had the uh, manager there who ended up uh, leaving when COVID started. Uh, I think he was going to a new role or something. I don't know. They're very, um, they're very uh, quiet-lipped about what had happened there. So that was my former manager. And so, um, so I found a... Uh, a good job that I was ready to uh, leave these guys for. Um, it was it was right up my alley, and like it was like some of these places in Toronto, like they don't pay as much as uh, being out in the boonies. But this place had a uh, workout f facility and a basketball court that you could use, so that was very appealing to me, and um, so I was ready to leave this place that I was that I was at and working at uh, so when I left my the job I was telling you I kind of fucked around and got fired I let I got fired there in uh, beginning of 2018 end of 2017 so I started um, I started this job this newest job at uh, 2018 until like uh, the beginning of this month uh, so that that's kind of uh, that's kind of the timeline. So the the guy who was um, he ended up before COVID uh, getting fired, and then they wanted me in the in this uh, in, to learn more and get in more positions. So you know, I naturally pushed back against that a little bit, and um, then. Um, so I went in and I had this job lined up at this place with the basketball court and the workout facility. And uh, so I went into uh, my boss and um, I kind of just laid my cards out on the table. I was just like, hey, um, you know, this is what's happening. Um, you know, I have a job lined up and, uh, you know, I just want to uh, ask you is like where... Uh, where do you see my future here at this place? 
And so he replied, what about um, Blank's job? And Blank was the former, uh, the guy who quit, uh, who was our warehouse manager. So his title, what he insinuated by what about Blank's job was a warehouse manager. And so now this place that I was at, I would have loved to go to the place that had the workout facility and that had the basketball court. And this place that I, that I was currently at was they a bit of a, um, they were a bit, um, is a bit of a mess organizationally. Uh, you know, like they had good people in, um, in positions and but like the uh we were um outsourcing a lot of our business to other places and it was uh really hammering into our profit margin and causing us to be have to be cheaper uh than we needed to be but i mean that's not our fault that's not the fault of the of the workers or the fault of the uh, employees. That's the fault of uh, management and not jumping on real estate before the shit hit the fan and, <laughs> and COVID popped off and, uh, and uh, inflation uh, started to kick in. So, I mean, uh, what, oh, what are we supposed to do? So they floated this idea and it was very kind of like there was nothing firm. Um, I got promoted to team lead from uh, where I once was at checking and, uh, and uh, packaging and picking and shipping. And like I knew all of the different jobs there basically. Um, so um, he promoted me to to team lead and then I started taking the job a little more seriously um I started going to them when I seen that there was problems with people and um one thing that they uh that they didn't take my advice on that would have saved them a lot in the long run was I seen this guy who was uh very um combative and um generally speaking we had a small warehouse but um a lot of our warehouse had to depend on each other like if somebody wasn't there then somebody else had to step up and uh there was one guy who was just absolutely unwilling to do anything besides the particular job that he always does and uh he was a little bit um like quicker at uh, the job that he does but what i realized being on the floor and uh working with them was that uh he was um he was his his personality and his way of being was taking more away from my team than it was giving like even though he picked like 10 or 20 more orders per day that his uh presence was uh toxic and uh whenever there was something that needed to be done uh it felt like it felt like it um i would have to 
pick on certain people because he would uh, he would refuse to do it. He said, "Oh, I you know I'm just picking and whatever, or my shoulder hurts, or blaming it on uh, you know on the rain or <laughs> whatever happened." Uh, so you know, I came, I went up to my boss very early, and this was when I first they were first kind of they first floated that idea of me having this job, and uh, I said, "Hey." Uh, you know, this guy, you know, he might pick a little bit more orders, but he is absolutely killing our productivity. And he is absolutely toxic and de uh, detrimental to, like, the cohesion of uh, the people around us. And so, you know what happened is that they just looked at the bare numbers and that they didn't even listen to me. And they kept this guy around for like another year. And um, all these same problems keep happening. They keep magnifying. There keeps being pushed back. And uh, I could go on for like a whole podcast about this particular fucking uh, situation. But for the sake of uh, not only talking about, <laughs> about this on my TWA2K36. So he, he ended up getting fired. And then we had, um, so there was this job that me and one other guy did. And then I was really, after he was gone and his uh, antagonism and his um, uh, standoffishness was out of there, then I was uh, really able to uh, work with the other people uh, around and uh get the most out, get the most out of them so i was right in in the long run and i called something out that they uh that they didn't think uh was an issue and was a huge issue and uh so we didn't have a warehouse manager we had three team leads myself included and one of the other team leads just saw that he picked orders fast but was not really paying attention to what was going on so this one job that me and just one other person were able to do, I got six or seven people able to do by kind of setting a framework for them to contribute to the best of their abilities and still, like, my whole theory, and my, or not theory, but just, I mean, I don't think you can say it's really a theory. My whole way of being is that you're not going to be able to force people to work uh, as fast as you want them to but you can tell them what their job is and what they are to do and how they decide to operate within that framework is up to you to pay attention to if you think they're going too slow then you should bring that up with them and say they got to go higher so people can uh we're not here to crack a whip and I'm not here to force you to work as fast as you want you to, but you have to be able to, you have to do uh, what I need you to do. Should I need you to move from one, from one situation to another. And so just having people that were, um, uh, you know, not the best, but they were um, adherent to that, uh, to that modus operandi that just having that aside from one guy who was kind of good at picking orders was 
much more effective and uh, gave much more of a benefit in uh, the long run. So now, you know, that was one of my major victories at this place. Not only that, but I paid attention to inventory more than the last boss and our inventory got better when I was there. And I, and I was on the floor doing my thing. So <clears throat> I didn't hear much back from them in regard of like me in this role and whatever. I just put my head down and did my thing. And um, so about a year to a year and a half, like a year, uh, a year and a quarter, um, I started to... Um, I started to uh, get a little distraught about the fact that I, you know, was not hearing much uh, on the front about because uh, I felt like I, w I had uh, put in a valiant effort. Now this place was a little—it's a place that was hard to look good working inside of because they had a lot of um, discontinuity, a lot of. Um, a lot of reactive kind of um, plugging holes type of thing, like um, uh, a messy warehouse, um, outsourcing of our labor. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of detriments to working there. So, you know, a year passed, a year and a change passed, and so I go in to my boss, who the one who uh, floated the idea of me as a warehouse manager, and so I say, hey, um, you know, uh, you know, I've been kind of giving you a, a better version of myself, and been, uh, you know, stepping up and doing things. It's like what what I just want from you, uh, blank person is uh clarity i just want some clarity on where this is going uh on what you need from me um and uh uh and how long this is gonna be before this uh this comes into fruition and because i don't want to just stay here for uh 10 years of my life and have this not happen and have me not become the uh the warehouse manager so, so he says to me, he's like, oh, I'll, uh, let me come back to you in two or three more days. So, okay, two or three more days pass. He still didn't get back to me. A week passes. He still didn't get back to me. Like about, you know, I do a lot of work there and I pump out a lot of volume and like, uh, I contribute to like high, um, like high value items which we can ship like a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand worth of uh, 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 worth of dollars flowing uh, in a week so I'm starting to get and I know I'm you know I'm giving them uh, bank on what they're doing so I uh, I go up to him I go up to him after about a you know less than a month probably uh, in between two and three weeks and I said uh, you know, oh, so it was after um, there was an, uh, I go up to him after there was kind of an altercation at uh, my warehouse uh, between me and another guy. Now, it should have been nothing, but uh, 
so here, well, I'll just explain it. So I, I had a guy offloading uh, and I had him putting it into a lane. We have like th uh, three lanes you can put it into. Sometimes they're blocked, sometimes they're not. But I had him put it into a lane uh, because we were loading it right away. We we're taking it out of a trailer and putting it into another right away. We were adding some more stuff to it. But I said, just put it down a lane and uh, we're going to load it right away. And he starts putting it away like putting it uh, in its location. And so I say, hey, what are you doing? No, we're supposed to be uh, putting this down the lane uh, because we're loading it right away. So I just need you to put it down the lane. Don't put it away in location. So he says, okay. And then he's still putting it away. So you know, I go up, I go up to him and say, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, you're really starting to piss me off because I wasn't allowing him to put it away he just like he's the type of guy who just wants to go slowly and uh and take his sweet ass time but we didn't have the time to take our sweet ass time because we had to load it right away we can't have the truck waiting there for like six hours so we went into my into my boss and that's kind of when i decided like you know, it felt like the other team leads didn't really have my back. They're just like, oh, I heard some yelling going on. It sounded like Kyle was yelling at him. I'm just like, no, I was just being direct and saying, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. You're being insubordinate. Like, isn't the insubordination the, the, uh, the worst thing? So it felt like they didn't really have my back, and I just kind of had enough. And I said, uh, I said to my boss, I was just like, uh, you know, what? so what's happening? Like, I talked to you all this uh, days ago, and you still haven't got back to me. So he says that uh, he he's just like, well, you know, Kyle, like, uh, you know, uh, if you're asking for a raise, I don't think we can do that. And I was like, I didn't ask you for a raise. I, was like, I said, I asked you, I asked you for clarity. And so he's talking around in circles, and I'm just like, well, what, what, uh, uh, you know, what could I improve on? And uh, and what he said, like, really kind of threw me off because he was just like, uh, it's like, well, do you think you have any weak spots? I'm just like, uh, I thought, I think I've been doing good for you. It's like, well, um, yeah, I want to bring up something, and uh, I'm just like, what? What is it? It's like uh, your memory retention. I'm just like, what? my memory retention and i was like because normally i'm like that's like one of my strongest points is like i'll have shit remembered from like days ago that people will tell me oh we have to do sh do this and uh so i'm just like memory retention that's like <laughs> that was like the last thing i would expect that uh that he would bring up and so uh i was just like uh well, what examples do you have of uh me having questionable memory retention and uh so he brings up this one time where i work most weekends in order to get our high volumes out i schedule weekend shifts and i make myself available for the weekends so effectively i work six days a week 75 percent of the time because i always had to be available on these saturday shifts in case we had to make sure we got the appropriate amount of stuff out okay so one of these saturdays now every other saturday went perfect one of these saturdays i didn't need absolutely everybody there so i just went up to the people who i wanted and i now normally i'll go up to everyone hey saturday everybody come in if you want 
So this one time, I just go up to the people who I wanted in, and I said, hey, are you going to be available Saturday? And they said, yes. So uh, two other people came in that weren't slated to come in on that Saturday. And he says this, is a, this was the example that he provided of my, uh, of my um, a negative example of uh, my memory retention. What does that have to do with memory retention? What does the fact that, like, how, I mean, how does the fact that people came in when I didn't ask them to, and he's like, oh, well, you could have uh, went up to everybody and said, no, I don't want you to come in. Okay, but you guys don't have my back when I get in these little uh, tiffs with people who are being insubordinate, but you want me to uh, put myself out there to make sure that I, uh, subject to piss somebody off by saying, no, I don't want you in on Saturday because you're not as good a worker as the rest of people. So... It seemed kind of like full of shit. So I think, so I felt that uh, based on those two interviews or going into my boss those two times, that I felt like maybe that them floating this job to me, the, the, the uh, potentiality of me becoming a, uh, the warehouse manager was just trying to gas me a little bit so I so I stayed with them and I think that there's no other way for me to look at that especially the second interview or the second time I went in there when he was talking in circles and then he throws back this like um, this really uh, soft ass criticism of me which is not really a uh, point of uh, uh, a point of fault. It's like my 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 strong suit. So um, you know, considering I got fired from my last job, I wanted to make sure that this did not go the same way. So I um, I put in my notice. So I put in my notice for this job and started immediately looking for um, for new places. And um, until recently, I didn't want to uh, talk about talk about this and what had just happened because um, until recently, I was still kind of searching for jobs and. Uh, you know, now I got, uh, I went on a few interviews and now I got a few people calling back and uh, I'm actually kind of weighing my options between one and another. Um, I, uh, I got in with, uh, with another company and I'm uh, set to hire them. And then this other company I did a, uh, I did a uh, job interview for, they want to hire, they want to hire me on. And I kind of told them, I was like, I got another job that I agreed to, but you know, I want to make sure what, what you're offering, what are you offering me? And then, uh, so I'm waiting for them to, uh, get, to give me an offer. So, you know, it was a little bit of a rough patch for a bit there, but, um, you know, all things are, uh, starting to, starting to come into place. I should be working by the new year and I made sure I had enough money banked up where, um, if I had to, uh, take an additional, 
uh, month to try and find just the right job that I would be able to. So, you know, things are going good now, but like that is kind of uh, uh, my anti-work uh, rant for today. That way, you know, you spend like so many years of your life uh, on this shit. And then, yeah, and because I could imagine somebody who is not as, um, who's a little, little more gullible than me. Like, even when I was talking to my friends, I'm just like, well, you know, he said this, but he could just be blowing smoke up my ass. And, uh, but I mean, I'll have to go back to him at some point and, uh, and push him on this and put their feet to the fire and that's what i did and i wanted to leave on my own terms and i could have stayed and like search for a job while i was staying but it makes things harder and you're less available to uh to these other potential uh jobs so you know that's kind of my you know it's kind of a bullshit fucking thing like for them to be able to float this for you and them having no objective reasoning they can point to that would uh, suggest that you uh, did not fulfill your end of the bargain and uh, became uh, what you needed to become in order to uh, facilitate this transition but if they never planned on doing it in the first place, then so I felt like I had to kind of leave on principle and that um, I wasn't and the um, the potential outcomes of me staying were would uh, like because I didn't want to get fired either. And, um, you know, my uh, going in there was leaving my attitude a little short and uh was uh starting to become to be a little more draining on me than uh than it should have so you know at the end of the day i did what i needed to do and um you know about to start some new jobs and or a new job <coughs> um excuse me depending on um depending on what gets back to me so i'm super excited to uh see what gets back to me but you know that was just my anti-work rant for the day uh you know i don't think that um just raising the minimum wage is the only problem and um you know i uh grew up to boomer parents who um had like you know made like 60 to 80k out of high school uh, I don't think that just simply raising the minimum wage is the issue here. I think um, paying people what they deserve and, uh, you know, um, you know, treating people how they deserve to be treated and um, promoting like a meritocracy instead of like a uh, nepotistic environment. I think those are uh, more of the modern issues here than um, simply just raising uh, minimum wages. One sec, I gotta go re-up on my drink situation.
All right. We are back. And on this edition of What's Kyle Drinking, I am drinking from Sarnia, Ontario. Um, foolishly good beer, 6%. Chocolate bar peanut butter chocolate stout. So... It's a nice, thick, high percentage stout with a peanut buttery uh, aftertaste, and it's actually really fucking good. Um, I definitely do not mind it at all. It is um, numbing the pain of my existence adequately. <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, we'll get into a little crypto talk. I know I talked some um, last episode, but um, felt like we didn't really get full into the weeds. Um, so the XRP uh, in uh, Ripple, so Ripple is a company who sells a token or who is responsible for the guidance of the token XRP and business, uh, etc., so they, um, so Ripple is, uh, their case, everything has been filed. Everything has been filed in the lawsuit that is going to be filed. And the case is effectively over in terms of a decision, uh, or not a decision, but a uh, discovery standpoint. Uh, the decisions are to, are the only thing that's left to come. And... Uh, it's a. It's kind of been a uh, crazy journey. So, uh, we started around the time that I started my podcast. I probably bought my first XRP around the first couple months that I first started my podcast, uh, and uh, and it was. Uh, it's been a. It's been a uh, crazy roller coaster. I did not expect it to be uh, this long. I thought we would have had some sort of um, regulatory clarity or settlement uh, up until now. But, um, hey, man, uh, when I was first letting you guys know about this, I feel like the that this was a value buy because the price was suppressed and I felt like the price was suppressed because of the lawsuit and uh, whether it was at a dollar or whether it was at a dollar fifty or fifty cents I uh, I still feel the same that the price is suppressed that it's about uh, uh, one-tenth of what it could be given the right uh, legal and uh regulatory environment and condition for it to succeed and that's what i'm banking on um and uh one thing i will not put up with is uh like this charles fucking hawkinson xrp community hatred like trying to create these sort of straw men out of the xrp community that just uh don't exist like trying to say oh hey the xrp community is like this and they're like that 
like the XRP community and uh, uh, and the um, you know the actual professionals who are uh, responsible at Ripple and who are uh, and the lawyers that they hired, etc. Like the the XRP community is just so much more. Uh, intelligent and so much less toxic than any other investment community I have seen like the cut because we knew we know that we were done dirty and we got like and the thing is you know we hitched our wagon it's about the people that you hitch your wagon to and David Schwartz and Brad Garlinghouse their fucking closet was clean their closet was absolutely fucking clean. And this is what they have been portraying uh, to us since day one. This is the, that's the energy, the professional uh, mannerisms and the way they go about themselves are like, our shit really doesn't stink. It really doesn't. And you need to be banking on that when you're supporting a a company of uh, of um, high valuation. I mean, XRP is not like a um, is not like a top of its Fibonacci's. It's in the top ten of the cryptos. But if XRP had the same market cap as ETH, it would be trading at like ten, eleven dollars, which is a twenty x from now. And, you know, uh, prior to the, the lawsuit, the, uh, the enforcement action taken on XRP against the, or uh, on Ripple against the, and effectively XRP, uh, by the SEC, ever since that enforcement action, it has been depegged from ETH, whereas before XRP and ETH were coming neck and neck at each other and we're competitive with each other until this when ETH hits the top of its Fibonacci's along with Bitcoin and XRP has never hit all-time high since so when I'm talking about price suppression that is what the fuck I'm talking about and you know when your community is so um you know, justified and so careful about not to, uh, what not to say also. Like, we don't go around and saying, like, uh, you know, um, you know, ETH is a security, uh, you know, it shouldn't be in the market, Bitcoin shouldn't be in the market. Like, we don't go, we don't go saying that. Like, we understand that not, uh, that the market uh, thrives better with, uh, with the top of the market being allowed to what it needs to do. And that's an un, un, underestimated thing about, um, and a confusing thing, why um, Charles Hawkinson and why uh, Vitalik Buterin and Maxi Pad Kaiser, why they hate XRP so much. Because, like, they know what it's capable of doing, but they're hating it at a detriment to ethereum and bitcoin because what xrp is going to do is going to create cbdc's 
make government money legal to put online instead of having these shady ass companies that could go tits up at any minute and will depeg from their dollar value because they don't have the assets to back up what they say they're backing up and so the sooner we get to the realization that we want we want like even though uh the um, underlying processes of how uh, XRP token operates is decentralized. We want to be able to mold it to uh, the regulatory framework to allow uh, central banks and uh, fiat to, um, to transfer online seamlessly. Like, the, how does that not help? uh any random speculative crypto speculative or not i mean it's it's uh it's kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face to have a sort of opinion like this which is kind of uh another opinion uh was uh, vitalik buterin when uh who's the eth's founder co-founder who used to work at XRP, by the way, uh, he was saying that XRP is centralized. How the fuck is XRP centralized, okay? Like, I don't know who, who needs to hear this, but being pro-regulation regu does not equal centralization. And uh, just because your regulation does not mean uh, that you're compliant with their uh, with their laws and what they do. So uh, another way of uh, another way of me saying that was like just because XRP can mold itself to being uh, being regulated the way a central bank would need it to be. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's decentralized by nature and that its underlying processes are are decentralized. Like Brad Garlinghouse cannot cause the cannot cause XRP to crash the way that uh, Do Kwan did for Luna. In the way that uh, SBF Sam Bankman-Fried did to uh, uh, FTX, that is a centralized idea. If somebody who is uh, a ruling authority from there has the power to kill switch and uh, tank the coin to 90, uh, 95 to ninety percent uh, uh, of its value. I would say that's a lot more centralized, and even Bitcoin, Bitcoin's underlying um, underlying mechan uh, mechanics are more centralized than XRP because of fucking less of them. Okay, and uh, if somebody wants to spend like you know trillions of dollars, they can own half the bitcoins and have a uh, chokehold on the on the market. Now, isn't that more centralized uh, inherently than uh, something that um, is more liquid, but uh, still operates on blockchains, 
uh, in a decentralized manner, as in anyone from anywhere in the world can transfer uh, it within seconds. So what we have here is a little bit of a battle and it's really bizarre. I, I just see it as like the fact that Charles Hoskinson and uh, Vitalik Buterin are attacking this. That just kind of shows to me how much of a threat they feel that XRP is and how much levels they would rather they would rather have us like at a less than one trillion dollar market cap as long as XRP is not a major player then have XRP draw all this institutional money and us be at like a five to ten trillion dollar market cap and having Bitcoin and Ethereum reap the benefits that they they're they're more against that than they are than they are uh uh than they are having a low uh, uh one tenth of the size of the market cap potentially so that should that in and of itself should tell you all that you need to know now I've gotten in a little bit of a pickle with my uh, crypto. I um, I never mentioned this on the program because I knew it was kind of a risky thing. It did end up coming to bite me in the ass, but I never promoted the idea and suggested that you, as a TWA2K audience, should have done the same. And that idea was that um, I put a, you know... Not a uh, majority or not a half or like not a um, not a quarter. I put a I put a not insignificant amount of my XRP uh, on to um, on to Celsius and you know i just thought my thought process was that um this lawsuit's going to take a couple years to play out i should be you know and i didn't like celsius kind of uh went from eight dollars uh per cell token to like you know two to three dollars and i'm just like well you know the token collapsed but i can at least collect back xrp off of my xrp because you have you had the option and this is before all the FTX, and this is before Luna, and this is before all the crypto problems. Celsius, of course, was the first thing to fucking go tits up. Of course. So me and my not-so-significant fucking amount of XRP. Um, we, uh, uh, I was, re I pulled it off, and then, uh, I just had all my money on this exchange and I had a cold wallet, but you know, it's weird. It's like you put it on a cold wallet and then you can't exchange it. And it felt like the market was okay. And so I'm just like, I don't want to have all this money on this exchange. So I'm just like, all right, well, I'll put a little bit of it on, uh, on Celsius and just have it grow. And it looks like, you know, Celsius already came down 25% in price. What's the worst that could happen? And um, I found out what the <laughs> what the worst that can happen was. Um, I uh, you know open my email one day and I have a message from Celsius. They say that um, 
withdrawals have been paused in that they have to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So all this time has passed. Um, you know, I'm wondering when and how much I'm going to get back. And it's looking like anything under $5,000 uh, will be uh, given back, which, I mean, is fucking awesome. Um, you know, I would have just been happy with half of it back. Uh, but I mean, uh, I understand because it's a less of an investment. And if you can take care of like the, uh, you know, the plebs that invested in it on 5k and under like, cause I, like I said, I didn't put a lot in, but I'm just glad that it didn't go the way of Luna in the way of like they, uh, of Terra in the way of fucking, um, uh, what was the fucking, the, what was the new one? S, uh, F, F, FTX. I'm just glad it didn't go that way. They do, They weren't so foolish with the uh, their money, and they, you know, they were stupid. Yes, but maybe their premise on getting people money was a little bit faulty in the first place. Maybe it was a little too dependent on the fact that uh, crypto is just going to keep going up and up and up and up, and they didn't anticipate like a precipitous uh, downfall. Granted, it was due to things maybe outside of the market that had this sort of uh, impact on it. But, hey, if I end up getting my crypto back I'm f and I can withdraw my crypto and like because it's, you know, or just get half back and fucking... Uh, Put it put it away in fucking cold storage. Then I'm happy with that, um, and it might end up working out where crypto tanks a little bit more, and I'll get a little more value on on the dollar on my stuff. But I mean, you know, it's unfortunate they should have done right. But I think maybe their uh, premise for uh, for giving people guaranteed returns is a little. A, a little full of shit to begin with <laughs> to begin with and was um was um couched in the idea that uh crypto would just like um you know uh exponentially uh go up and up and up and up and up <laughs> so maybe not the uh maybe not the smartest of business concepts but um, at least he didn't fuck around. At least he didn't um, double down, triple down, quadruple down, and take high leverage bets on things trying to get us out of, out of the, uh, the situation that we're in. So we'll see what happens uh i guess the courts got back to me the court the the uh, law company that was responsible for uh dealing with this bankruptcy got back to me and um i guess i'm just waiting for the final bar date for submissions uh for claims against celsius and um I guess they're saying like transactional accounts that are less than $7,000 will just have the ability to withdraw their crypto, which I mean, <laughs> like holly fucking Luya.
Um, that's all I have to say about that. If uh, if that is the case, that could have uh, gone a lot worse. And um, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you got your money on an exchange, if you got your money on a hot wallet, reconsider it. Get your money onto a cold wallet so that you have control over it so that you don't have to worry about anybody or anything fucking up. Also, you should look into those people who might be fucking up and see how your CEOs are. Um, <laughs> I think that goes without saying. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you, as long as you have your money into cold storage, then you have total control over it. And I, I was the one telling, like, so how I know that I didn't recommend celsius to you guys is because i didn't recommend it to my friends and i told them i just like you know it comes at a certain risk you get you know one percent back a week you know you get a certain percentage back a week but it comes with the same risk as anything comes if it goes tits up then your money is gone and uh that's why i didn't recommend it should always um the first thing you should buy before you buy any crypto is a cold storage device now you can have a wallet online and that might be better to transfer your crypto to because as long as it's your keys it's your crypto but i mean like i use trust wallet and uh you know what's to say that trust wallet doesn't go tits up so I think much less so with an exchange, like with an exchange, and especially when you're promising rates of return for holding your crypto there in order to bolster your um, the amount of accounts on your network, that, that that is probably where it gets problematic. Um, all right, so um, let's move along. Let's talk some more uh, uh, football. Um <laughs> Now, I don't know if you've been following us, but we got a bet for Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl at 20 to 1. Maybe 21 to 1, depending on when you bought it. Could be as high as 25 or 26 to 1. So we got a Cincy to win 20 to 1 plus. Now, um... Now, they've been on a nice little run, um, and I had my intense criticisms of Zach Taylor earlier in the year. Uh, I've since, in the middle of the season, kind of backed off of them. Now I'm kind of like, you know, I can see these things, uh, I can see things there that, you know, might be a problem, like... Okay, if we're playing Mike McCarthy in the Super Bowl, then not such a big deal. But if we're playing Sirianni in the Super Bowl, that the edge between uh, good coaching and bad coaching could be the difference that uh, wins us a Super Bowl or not. Now, um, 
there so on the T Higgins touchdown was a very long developing play and this was when Cincinnati really needed to score a touchdown on third down now I was saying I was just like T Higgins he was uh on the Y uh or on the no it was on the X side and uh and I said play action and T Higgins on a post to the corner and so they had play action and they had T Higgins but they waited for him to like loop all the way around to the uh Y side of the uh of the end zone and got caught a like ball like uh you know um maybe like t- uh 15 feet away from the right uh right sideline so there that's uh there's this long sometimes they have too much long developing plays and not have uh, enough uh quick outs for burrow I would say that can be an issue. Uh, that can be an issue with Taylor. Um, and, um, you know, he pulled P. Ryan when P. Ryan was like smashing. He had three runs for 15 yards. And they pulled him for Joe Mixon inside of like the, in, in a goal to go. And Joe Mixon was averaging like less than two yards per carry. And having not having as much success against um, against Tampa Bay's defense, like I view Joe Mixon and Samaja Pirine as uh, pretty equal backs, just different in personality and style wise. Like I think if you need a yard or two yards, keeping both in there is. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't really have a difference between one or another, and especially if you have uh, P. Ryan in and he converted a first down, and he's running well, then he's in the zone. Why are you taking him out? Why are you taking him out in favor of Mixon? Just keep him in there. He's in the. He's in the zone. He's in the fucking. He's in the vibe, right? So I didn't like that because. Uh, Statistically, Mixon was doing worse also, but eye test-wise, P. Ryan was getting the better of that defense, and he was the harder of those backs for, uh, for, for them to tackle. And uh, another thing is they're not taking their easy out sometimes. They're, not, uh, they, they're waiting on that uh, big play, or they have a quick easy out, and... Um, they're, it's not audibling it, uh, audibling it to to it, or uh, they're not taking their easy matchups. But I definitely have a lot more faith now than I did at the end of the season. Um, another great thing about Zach Taylor is he's an awesome motivator of people. He um, like uh, you know when you see these post game. Uh, post-game um uh awards where they give like a ball to like uh certain people like he was very um recognizing and who uh who stepped up for the Bengals that was kind of like not such a known commodity like he gave a game ball to Will Cox he gave a game ball to Trey Flowers and Trey Flowers had a fucking incredible game man he was fucking uh now that is a you know and that is just like a fucking Lou Amarino fucking like um, 
uh, just perfect scheme thing where he just has uh, he has Trey Flowers, who is like our tallest uh, 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 defensive back and the tallest defensive back in the league, like guarding like Mike Williams and shit and just fucking swatting balls away. And it's just like, wow. Like, perfect. <laughs> and then Brady tries to fucking force one in there, and Trey Flowers just, like, uh, just snags it. I mean, like, the uh, I'm loving our odds because I think we are the most complete team in the NFL. I just, if that game versus Tampa, we got, like, a 50-50 Zach Wilson coaching performance. If we get a 70-30 where he's ma- where he's like 70% of the time he's good and 30% of the time is in, then then we will win the Super Bowl. We will win the Super Bowl. If he just does if he just does what he's supposed to do 70% of the time, we will win the Super Bowl. And if he does it mostly when everything's on the line, we will win the Super Bowl. And that is the most important matchup because these players, these guys are, are succeeding in spite of being put in uh, suboptimal, um, suboptimal situations. And they're succeeding despite this, which is absolutely incredible. And if we, if we get a 70% performance from uh, Zach Taylor in terms of game theory strategy uh head coaching if we get a 70 30 from zach taylor if we get a 70 percent uh if we get a 70 percent outing from zach taylor compared to a 50 percent outing we will beat any team in the league any team in the league so you know it's not going to come without its uh it's not going to come without a sweat. I know that. <laughs> um, I uh, I actually almost recorded uh, my reaction to the Tampa game because I felt something coming on, and we were getting crushed for a couple quarters. I'm just like, you know, this might just be like a fucking typical Bengals where they just fucking just like really tear it on in the second half, and uh, it was just a little too crazy. Even I think for uh, <laughs> even I think for TWA2K. Um, a couple more topics uh, with football. Holy cow, we're already uh, an hour and ten minutes into this shit. Uh, you know, it's coming easier by the day. Hopefully, uh, I can get this video out, and um, it's not stopped yet. So, hopefully, it just saves normally. It's a little blotchy. It's recording, and it's not quite uh, 1080, but. Um, I don't know. I hope uh, this attracts more YouTube audience, and um, by the time 2023 comes around, and I get my fucking adapter for my good camera back, then we'll really be rolling. We'll, we'll uh, really be rolling. So, um, Zach Wilson. Uh, a lot of people are quick to uh, dismiss him, and a lot of people like are. Uh, kind of wanting to pile up on him and he's like the easy target now i own both zach wilson and mike white 
I actually just picked up Mike White on a uh, waiver wire fucking <laughs> budget match so that I have both of these guys. Um, and who knows? They could end up picking up a guy. I think everything's on the table. Now, I think it's easy to just um, say Zach Wilson is, um, you know, problematic because of his, like, uh, problematic press conference, but. You know, he hasn't had one since. And the thing that I like about Zach Wilson is that I see the I see the uh, talent. I see the athletic tools. I see like the I see both the uh, elusiveness and the ability to throw and the scampering and like I just don't see it all put together, and I don't think that you uh, it's re, uh, re- it's reasonable to expect that uh, so soon, uh, especially when he hasn't had like a full year to develop. He had to start right away and adopt NFL speed right away. I think that's the hardest thing to do uh, as a uh, college quarterback is to uh, adapt to NFL speed, and that's the last thing that's going to come. But it's a lot more easy to take someone with a talent and have them adapt to uh, to NFL than to take someone uh, without the talent and have them be serviceable enough to uh, have their weaknesses mitigated. Like, you know, uh, like, uh, what is that guy's name? Um, fuck, I forget. To, Davis Mills. You're not going to, you know... He's not going to run a four five forty, okay? Uh, he's not going to be able to sling the ball like you know uh, on a rope. Um, he's going to have some arc to it. There's certain talent features that he just is not going to provide. Now, Zach Taylor has these, or Zach Wilson has these uh, these uh, talent features. He's just not taking his easy shots. He's not taking his layups. He's seen the field bad. Like, um, on that last drive, like, and the thing is, you want to talk about Zach Wilson's accountability. Where's the accountability on Salah in not taking any of those fucking timeouts? Where's the accountability there? How about I want to see some accountability from everyone if you expect it from Zach Wilson? Maybe Zach Wilson is just a reflection of the lack of accountability that's going on around him, okay? Because he was doing fine when Brees Hall was in there, and now Brees Hall is taken out, and now that offense falls to shit. Now nobody can win their matchups. This isn't... Okay, he's missing his open guys, yes, but are his wide receivers... Like, they don't have a, a, a true wide receiver one. Like, a guy that can just boss up and go and fucking Hopkins and uh, fucking uh, Higgins and, like, fucking A.J. Brown and just moss one. They don't have that guy. And that's lacking, okay? So that is an important part of your... Uh, of a wide receiving core that if you don't have... De- de- uh, detracts away from everything else. And I know Garrett Wilson's probably pissed at Zach Wilson, but A, you can't expect that transition to come overnight. This isn't, you're not, uh, you know, you're not trying to beat people at the line of scrimmage within milliseconds of framework. You're trying to decipher NFL defenses 
and throw balls out within a millisecond of time to the right read in the and remembering where all your uh, receivers uh, routes are. This is not fucking an apples to apples comparison. So now whatever the Jets do is whatever the Jets do and maybe their trash might be somebody else's treasure. But, uh, you know, I just think it would be kind of foolish to give up on Zach Wilson based on what based on what have we what we've seen so far. Now, here's the bad side of Zach Wilson. So that, uh, you know, when he converted the third and 17 to uh, I don't think it was Garrett Wilson. Um, fuck, I don't know who it was. But when they converted the third and 17 and uh, to Elijah Moore, he didn't get out of bounds and he almost uh, ha- and they almost had the clock run out because he didn't get out of bounds. So. He's not even fucking fully aware of the uh, of the nuances of the game yet. Okay, so he's not even fully aware of uh, uh, <coughs> of exact game theory, and now you expect Zach Wilson to. So they did get it off in time. So and Zach Wilson did convert the third and seventeen, but so the the sack that got them out of bounds where. Okay, the pocket was breaking down, and Zach Wilson clearly did not have an open receiver to throw to. All three of his wide receivers were guarded, and he did not have a good opportunity. So he (coughs) excuse me. So he steps up into the pocket, and he cuts out to the right side. But the right side is where the nose tackle, who the center was guarding him, was breaking to the to that same side. So Zach Wilson should have kicked out to the opposite side because everything else was the same. The left tackle and the right tackle were uh, are guarding the edges and he had just enough space to boot out to either the right side or the left side. And he chose the right side. But that were, is where the leverage was against. That's where the uh, nose tackle was, uh, was, uh, uh, had the hole. That's where he had the leverage and advantage. Now, Zach Wilson needs to intuitively know to kick it out to the opposite side of the nose tackle's advantage because after that, you basically have 15 free yards to get on that side. Now, if you go out to the side where the nose tackle has the leverage, you have like you have a zero to maybe five yards potentially. Because he has an edge on, he can get you because that's a side he has leverage on. It, he can't go across body with w- and get you without having to really go through that center. So that was a mistake by Zach Wilson. That was not understanding the correct, uh, the correct game theoretical mathematical play to move. The correct mathematical play to do is to go to the side where there's the least leverage uh, uh, coming out. Now, so, so that was an example. They got out of... Uh, out of uh, but that doesn't excuse Salah for not taking the timeouts. For not taking the timeouts and forcing a greater clock on, uh, on Zach Wilson. So... There's a little bit of blame to go on both sides. And uh, I think Salah um, has just as much accountability. Even in the game where they are pissed off at 
Zach Wilson for. Sala was responsible for them kicking it off to New England to give them an opportunity to run the ball back, which was an opportunity that they won the fucking game on. Now, uh, that being said, uh, you know, New England's in a real funk right now as far as their coaching-wise goes. Like, I really don't know what they were thinking with Matt Patricia. I think it was like they they had a thought in their mind like Matt Patricia was like going to be an example of a theory of failing upwards. Like, (laughs) you were a bad uh, defensive coach. So that de facto makes you a good offensive coach because you're awful at defense. And that didn't exactly uh, turn out as uh, it planned. Um, Just one of the many uh, flaws in the Patriots um, system right now. Um, uh, uh, You know, I am more of a proponent of a Bailey Zappi led offense and a Mac Jones led offense. That's me personally. Um, and I think New England's offense is designed better for Zappi than it is for Mac Jones. That also. Um, and I think San Fran really fucked up by not taking Mac Jones over <laughs> Trey Lance. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but. And I thought they should have took Trey Lance because I seen that he had higher upside, but. San Fran clearly wanted him. He was the first guy they visited, and he fit their scheme better. But maybe Brock Purdy is an acceptable uh, substitute. But uh, so I'm sure you guys all seen that last play where there was a lateral where Stevenson runs it up the gut and kicks it out to uh, Jacoby Myers, who throws it uh, up in the air, up for grabs. uh, Las Vegas takes it and fucking scores off a walk-off. Um, you know, I thought at first that that was a planned play because I'm just like, there's no way this could be this dumb to just do this. But there's no way it could have been a planned play because Mac Jones couldn't uh, pass that downfield again, I don't think. He, he would have had to lateral it. And the only way it would have been a smart play is if it was like some sort of demented-ass flea flicker. Maybe that was what they were... But they, it would have... No, because they had to lateral it. So they had to throw, like, throw it backwards to him, and he had to throw it back. So it just made no sense. It was just fucking stupid. Um also, there was the touchdown controversy. Now, I see many people saying that that uh, Keelan Cole touchdown should not have been because he was clearly on the line. But I say, where's the evidence that he was clearly on the line? Well, you're saying, oh, hey, there is uh, shows like there is a uh, that he's past the line. Well, that doesn't show that he was down, that he that he touched the line before he grabbed the ball. That's just what you're assuming. And um, they showed another camera angle where he showed all the dirt up, not including white dirt. So it was there was no white dirt up, and he was clearly inside of the white, and he had possession of the ball. So when I seen it on the field, I thought, touchdown. 
Like, I mean, I'm just like, that's a touchdown. He dragged his feet, yada, yada, yada. And the ref agreed with me. And we've seen this alternate angle. So I don't think you can turn it over on such a uh, such a, um, uh, a zoomed back view. Uh, and now maybe he grazed it, but, I mean, if you have that sort of... Uh, angle where it shows that he has possession and he's not past the white but you see this thing in the overhead that that says oh maybe he was on the white maybe he tiptoed in the white when he did it but you don't know if that's a part of his foot that's down so i mean that's not a robbery that's just kind of what should have happened dare i ask and it's a little bit ridiculous that they don't have a better camera angle than that on a uh on something that clearly could be reviewed So that's my take on that. Um, and to finish this off on uh, this edition of uh, That's So Eagles. Um, <laughs> so uh, the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Eagles has gone out with an injury. And their backup is going to be playing the last couple games going into the playoffs. Because that doesn't remind us of... Um, Another point in time where the Eagles may have won a Super Bowl. You know what? And they might be the mo- they might be who I'm kind of fearing the most as a potential rival in the NFC as a Cincinnati Bengals uh, Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl ticket holder. But you know, if we do see them, then. Uh, you know, I can't be that mad either way. I think we got a great shot against them also. So, uh, that's all I got for now. Um, that is a 36. Uh, I'll be doing a 37th to make sure I hit my, my, my TWA2K yearly benchmark since I am so close. I will be doing another one. Maybe another couple. Maybe we might go into positive, uh, EV on the TWA2K yearly, which would be great. Uh, I love doing this show, and I love bringing it to you. So, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, that was the world, according to Kyle Podcasts. Later.